When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Growing Your Financial Business, the Woman's Way podcast. I'm Robin Crane, and I was a financial advisor for over a decade. But before that, I was a singer-songwriter. And now, even as a mom of three with a teenager, toddler, and a baby, I run a seven-figure business helping women in financial services grow their businesses and make a bigger impact. In this podcast, I'll bring you financial advisors, industry influencers, and highly successful entrepreneurs to give you innovative strategies designed for women. So get ready to learn how to get in front of the right people, get more ideal clients, and be able to grow your ideal business so you can live your ideal life. Welcome, welcome. I am here with Pam Kapalid. And this woman is awesome. Um, she's very passionate. She has helped so many people and um, she's a certified financial planner. She's an accredited financial counselor. She's been in financial services since 2008. And yes, great time to join. I was actually 2007. So I, I feel you, girl. Uh, she founded Brunch and Budget to help people who felt ashamed or embarrassed about money have a safe and friendly place to talk about it and make real financial progress. And her mission is to make financial planning as affordable as possible for the communities who need it most. She hosts the Brunch and Budget podcast and co-founded Race and Wealth Podcast Network. She also runs Sea Change, a group financial planning program specifically designed for people of color. So Pam, so great to have you here. Um, let's jump into this. I mean, I know you must have a backstory about this, but um, we talked a little bit pre-recording about your passion about increasing um, really the, I always say the footprint of women in the industry, but you're talking about diversity overall, which I think is so important. Um, so tell us a little bit why you're so passionate about that. Yeah. I mean, it all started with the whole concept of brunch and budget. I did wealth management for seven years. And I mean, if we really want to go back, 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 I have a literature degree. And the only reason I'm in finance is because of a Craigslist ad. I wanted to take a random summer job for school. And I saw this ad for a money camp. And I was like, oh, camp and kids, that sounds fun. And I literally, I did that for three years and it changed my life. I took my literature degree and I moved to New York and got my foot in the door at a wealth management firm in Midtown Manhattan. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm really going to do this, right? Um, and I started learning more about the CFP and more about the industry in general. I have memories of me trying to read the Wall Street Journal and literally understanding nothing that I read. I was like, oh my God, this is literally a foreign language and I have a literature degree. Um, but when I really started delving into personal finance and financial planning in general, uh, I was talking to my friends about it. And my husband is a rapper and a hip hop educator, and we're part of a big artist community. And the thing that I realized when we would go to parties and people would find out what I did is my friends had nowhere to go to talk about their money. And not only that, they were so afraid of it that the only time they would talk to me about it was you know, at parties when they were a little tipsy. And so brunch and budget really came from this idea of someone coming up to me at a party and saying, Pam, 
I need your help, but I'm so afraid to look. I've never checked my credit score. I have credit card debt, all of these things. And I looked at her and I was like, do you want to do it over brunch or something? And she was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like her whole face changed, her whole demeanor, everything changed. I literally just sent out an email to some friends and I said, Hey, do you want to trade some food for advice? And that's how brunch and budget started. It really just started with me trying to figure out how to get this information that I was learning in wealth management to my friends and to my community. And it really grew from there. They started telling their friends, they started telling their friends. And one thing that I realized as I started meeting with people and seeing more people was I was seeing you know, not only my friends, but their friends. And I was meeting a lot of people of color and, you know, the CFP training, if you know, you're probably listening, you've probably taken it, you're in the middle of it, right? I don't remember anything about budgeting or student loan debt or how to get a mortgage or how to save your first thousand dollars or how to look at your credit score. None of those basic things. And that's what I found myself teaching during these brunches and having these conversations with no matter how much money someone made or how much money was in their bank account, they didn't know this basic stuff. And then to add this extra layer onto it, a lot of the clients that I was seeing were people of color who were first-generation college graduates in their family, first-generation with a professional salary. Some of them were the first generation to live in this country. And so they were dealing with other systemic things that had never been addressed in any of my coursework and any of my work in general. Things like more likely to have student loan debt. A lot of my people of color clients were less likely to have a history of home ownership in their family, less likely to have a history of an inheritance in their family. One of the stats that I learned in my research about the racial wealth divide is that it would take 242 years for the average wealth of a black family to catch up to the wealth of a white family today. White families literally have 10 times the amount of wealth as black families in this country right now. And if nothing changed, if the trajectory continued as it was, the average net worth of a black family in this country would be zero by the year 2053. And so what I saw anecdotally with my clients was them having to send money back home to their parents, them having to take on more debt, them having more financial obligations. So even if they happen to be making the same amount of money as their white peers, you know, they're both making six figure salaries. My clients of color were having to deal with more financial obligations that prevented them from being able to save, that prevented them from being able to buy a home. I mean, I always joke that like I had to fill out my own FAFSA. You know, I remember being 17 and having to ask my mom, like, can I see your tax return, mom? And I have so many clients who are like, oh my God, me too. Right. We helped our client, we helped our parents sign the paperwork, fill out the forms. You know, I know some clients who like memorize their like parent signatures and these little things that like came from a lot of the way the system is built is why I'm super passionate about working with people of color and also bringing more diversity into this industry in general. I think that this profession is amazing. It's such a it's such a fulfilling way to help people and also to help people in your community and uplift and empower them uh, with information that not only was traditionally left out of communities of color, but also that communities of color were purposely preyed upon by the financial services industry in general or purposely ignored. And so to be able to take that information and to empower people to be able to use this to build generational wealth and to empower a group of marginalized people who have been denied the ability to build generational wealth, that's really what I'm here for. Wow, that's awesome. So did you guys have mimosas at brunch? Hell yeah. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I don't drink, but I was like, please drink bottomless mimosas. 
so many waffles. Like (laughs) that's the thing, right? Is like food just makes things easier. You like find common ground. You're watching each other eat. You're like, you're seeing what each other likes and you're, you're building this connection with people in a way that you can't do behind a mahogany desk. And when it comes to finances where people are so vulnerable, like how else, you know, how this is such a great way to do it. I love that. And and I'm, I'm making light of something that's so serious because that's kind of how there's this, I guess, opening for people to step into this place where it's not so serious. You know, it's not like this, oh, I have to be ashamed or feel bad about where I am financially. And whether they're, you know, making a hundred grand a year and, and have a hundred grand aside or, or making a million a year and have nothing, like, it's like, everybody's in a different position, but oftentimes, especially women, like we don't feel like we're worthy. So it doesn't matter how much is in the bank account or the investments. It's like, who am I to, you know, not, not only do I not have time to go ask for help, but then I don't want to be in that position. And most of the advisors out there are white males who they're, you know, people of color, people, women are going to feel judged by going in there and not having whatever the enough is supposed to be. Right. So creating that space, I think is really important. Um, and most of us are not, but having, having fun, having it, it's like a taboo subject that can now be more lighthearted, more like empowering them to, to take that on and create, create wealth. Like, and it doesn't have to be this huge thing. Oh my God, like wealth, like it, it's actually chipping away at something that anyone can do. So I, I mean, my, I get back to like, how, how do we do this? Because when I talk about increasing the footprint of women in the industry, and I focus on women, but um, diversity, of course, is just as important, if not more important. But I talk about how if we can just keep women in the industry, like by having them be more successful, we will we will by default, like we'll have more women in the industry because they're leaving as quickly as they're coming in. And, and a lot of the women who come to me, I mean, many of them are just comfortable and they're doing fine. And some of them are very, very successful. And then a lot of them are new and they're excited about the industry. They're excited to help people with their money. They're excited. But then if they can't make it in business, they're not staying in the industry. So, you know, of color or what, or, or, you know, regardless of color, I guess, and, and, and even gender, how, how do we do that? how do we help increase this like increased diversity in the field? Because it's so needed. It's so needed. And people typically like to talk to people who are like them, right? Like some, yeah. a black or African-American woman doesn't necessarily want to go to some, you know, white old boys club dude who's 65 years old. So it's so necessary, but how, how, what is your stand on? Like, how do we do it? Yeah. I mean, I think right now is such an exciting time because for so many years, the industry was built on commission, sales, and that meant who's in your network. And that meant how much money is in your network, right? And now we're in a totally different place. Brunch and budget is completely fee only. We don't sell insurance. We don't sell any investment products. We're just about to start doing AUM. So for the first six years of brunch and budget, we didn't even do assets under management. We made money off a monthly subscription model that was sliding scale based on income, that's financial planning and coaching. So it's a minimum 12-month program where someone pays a monthly subscription fee to get completely unbiased financial advice, right? And not only financial advice, but financial implementation. So why I say this is exciting is because the old models were designed for accumulating wealth in a certain way, right? And when you can run your, when you have to run your business based on who's in your network and how much money is in your network, that's why a lot of women, a lot of people of color can't necessarily build up that business. But now I feel like I'm in the business of advice. I'm in the business of handholding. I'm in the business of advocacy, right? 
And I feel like that that has been able to allow me to build a business that has allowed me to have a sustainable life and also hire other employees and give them a sustainable life too. And so I think we're in a time and place right now where the needs of the industry are changing. The things that a lot of my clients are looking for, like, yes, you need insurance, but probably just term insurance, right? Yes, you need investments, but like, let's look at maxing your 401k before we put you in some kind of annuity or like high commission investment product, right? And so we're here, I think my role is to find the best of the best advice for my clients in a completely agnostic way. And I think there is something to be said for being able to build a business around that. And it's not based on how much money is in your network. It's not based on who you know. It's based on like your, it's based on your desire to really want to help people in your community. That's awesome. I love that. And I remember I actually, I went to this wealth seminar and I was in my third year as a financial advisor and there was a guy in front of the room, a white male, and he was talking negatively about financial advisors. You know, he's basically saying how um, all they're doing is just trying to sell you commissionable products and, um, you know, very product driven, that type of thing. And they're not wealthy themselves and they don't make money. And I was like, I froze in my seat because I'm like, oh my God, that's totally me. And I had this incredible guilt. I remember leaving crying. And part of it was because I was embarrassed and I felt like a fraud because I wasn't making money and I wasn't wealthy. But part of it was like, oh my gosh, like, have I been selling products like to people that I shouldn't have? I wasn't trying to, like I was trying to do the best, but I was fed product knowledge, product knowledge, product knowledge, you know, selling, you know, VULs like hotcakes and thinking it was the best thing since sliced bread. And like, I mean, nothing wrong with, you know, variable universal, um, what do you call it? annuities or life insurance or whatever, yeah. but it's like the way that I was taught was very product based. And it was, even though I was at an independent company, it was still like a subsidiary of, you know, whatever. So yeah. it was like, you're still fed this stuff, but it's tough because everyone, I think, especially women come into this industry with the intention to serve with the intention to do right by their clients, with the intention to help them. And they also have to survive themselves because how can you be a, a good role model? How can you feel congruent? Like I felt like a fraud because I wasn't wealthy. I felt like a fraud because I wasn't making very much money. So I had to grow my business to be at a point where I felt congruent and I had conviction that my help was actually going to serve someone at the highest level and give them everything. But that like took my success to get that conviction Right. And so I'm just thinking, I mean, there's obviously people from all different levels of their business listening to this podcast, but it's like, how do we like, if I like, there are definitely people listening who are at a broker dealer where they have to sell products to make money. Right. And I always say, well, see if you can do an outside business activity, see, see if you can do an OBA. Cause I, I created a whole money coaching program. I went way outside the box and did all that because I, similarly, I felt like just giving them a life insurance or just giving them a product wasn't actually getting them the result. So I was, I had a very, you know, unconventional way that I did business and I, I charged for money coaching and all this stuff, but so many women in the industry, they're in this box, right. With crazy compliance and crazy parameters. And so is it just like jump ship and go independent and then serve clients at the highest level? Or is it like, how do we, you know, how do we have this inclusion of diversity and, and create more diversity and have all this and, and serve people at a higher level when we still have all these confines of of compliance and, and of what we're supposed to do and how we even can make money. Yeah. Like solve that, Pam. Solve yeah, that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, brunch and budget does make money. So. <laughs> right. But you had to go independent 
Right. I, I mean, did have to go independent, but I don't think that's the only way to do it. I mean, I, you know, the wealth management firm that I worked at was affiliated with Mass Mutual. It was a broker dealer. And one thing I thought was interesting about that structure when I learned more about it was they had their insurance business and their annuity business. And then they had an independent RIA that was affiliated with the insurance and the investments and things like that. So there is that option to do both. If you're someone who is, you know, at a broker dealer, if that's your bread and butter, and if that's the kind of thing where you're like, yes, I believe in these products and I want to sell these products and I still want to be affiliated with it. Are there other ways within the confines of compliance that you can do things differently? Right. And I thought it was really interesting to have that hybrid model and to be a part of it because the wealth management division at my firm felt very separate from the insurance and annuity. So separate, in fact, that for three years, I had no idea that that's what the other half of the business did, you know, when I first started. And I think that there are ways to get creative about it, like you did, right? With the money coaching and things like that, because uh, ultimately clients do need these products, right? And it's just a matter of figuring out what the right packaging is to get them not only like the right life insurance, the right investments, you know, but what are all the other things around financial planning that we can get to these clients and how can we create value for them? Because I will tell you right now, clients want to pay for this. I used to not charge for my brunches. I used to you know, charge very little for my services. And it's really interesting to see. And it's like this weird psychological thing that I understand. But the more you charge, the more valuable clients will see it and the more they will show up. You know, I charge hundreds of dollars a month for someone to meet with me for 15 minutes a month. Right. And, you know, hundreds of dollars, upwards of a thousand dollars or more a month for someone to meet with me for a short period of time. And it's because I give them peace of mind and I have enough expertise to say, we only need 15 minutes and then you can move on with your life. Like, you don't just have to give them time. You don't just have to give them products. You're giving them something intangible. And if you can figure out and figure out the root of that intangibility is for your clients then that's how you can build a successful business. It doesn't have to look like what it used to look like. It doesn't have to look like what it looks like now. We have so much access to technology, so much access to different resources, and also just access to each other in a way that we didn't used to before, right? The fact that we're on this podcast right now, the fact that there's mastermind groups and ways to network virtually with people who are not right next door to you means that you have access to so much knowledge and so many different perspectives. and then you figure out how to do you, right? Then you figure out, okay, let me take all this stuff and figure out what resonates with me and what resonates with the people that I want to serve. Because I serve, you know, I, I always have a hard time describing my niche, but whenever someone asks me, I'm like, I serve people who are afraid to talk about their money. You know, like, yes, generally my clients are younger, they're millennials, blah, 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 whatever, right? But that's not the case necessarily anymore even, and what I realized is the people who I'm speaking to are people who are afraid to think about this in the first place. So figure out who you're speaking to and who you're trying to serve beyond just like the demographic information and the like, you know, that that marketing avatar profile that they tell you to put together. Yeah, I, I like what you said, too. I want to go back to where you said, you know, kind of the intangibles, you know, and I think when it comes down to really serving your clients at the highest level, it gets to like this how do I get really, really clear? And it's actually a sales conversation that doesn't have to feel salesy at all, but sales to me is just serving them to get what they want, like figuring out what's holding them back and helping them get there. But to understand, and I talk about this a lot with just when I'm teaching sales is like, what do they really want that they don't have? 
and what's holding them back. And it's like, people think it's the surface thing, right? Like, oh, I want more money. I want to retire at 60. Like, no, but anyone who says they want to retire at 60 is a completely different life from someone else who says they want to retire at 60 or early at 55 or whatever. And what's missed in the industry oftentimes is really getting deep to understand what their true desires are, what their true challenges are. What's the real concerns? What's like, why don't they want to talk about it? Where are they like freaking out about it? What, what's the anxiety? I was just you know, working my, my, I'm trying to get more organized. I'm not very organized. And I was like working in a sauna, which is like a project management system. And like, I have a headache right now because I was working on like organizing stuff. And I, I just immediately get anxiety around it. Like, and I'm not a very anxious person, but there's like, when it comes to like making decisions about what to do first and where to put things and how to organize things, like it's very, very tough for me. And when it comes to money decisions, it's very easy for me, but most people it's not. And most people it's the opposite. It's like just thinking about money, just looking at the numbers, just like, like, like looking, even if you have money, if you don't like thinking about where to put it is super stressful and super overwhelming. And those type of conversations aren't really being had, right? It's like typically yeah. more about show me the fact, find, like I'm looking with the fact finder or I have a fact finder. I want to know the numbers. And based on those numbers, I'm going to make uh, a, a recommendation that's going to help them get a result, but it's like, it's not the numbers. It's all what's behind the numbers. And regardless of who you're working with or, or who that, that specific target is, I think it comes down to really understanding what people want, what's holding them back and talking to a human. And you said like, this is such a great time and we can be on this podcast and all these things. Like I absolutely agree. And I think the industry needs a little bit of a slap in the face, like a wake up call to like, Hey, welcome to the new normal. Welcome to this new world where it's not just about not meeting face to face. It's about connecting with people in a way to truly understand them so they can get what they want and to, to go deep, to, to understand like what's really holding them back. And these, all these things, like you said, and I, I also have my CFP that, you know, weren't, that are not taught even in the industry it's crazy. Like, how can you help someone know where to put their money and where to invest when you don't really understand what's driving them? Because they're not going to do it. If you don't understand what's driving them, you don't get to the heart of that. And I think women are naturally great at that, which is so cool. It's like, I, I tell my clients sometimes, like when I'm talking, teaching sales, it's like, get nosy. Like you're already nosy. Like just, just own it. I'm like, I'm just going to be nosy. Like I'll ask you things that, you know, usually on this podcast that most people wouldn't ask because I'm kind of nosy. And most people don't want to be nosy. Don't want to seem nosy. Don't want to dig where they, you know, Oh, God forbid someone's going to think I'm, I'm being nosy or I'm, I'm asking questions that are too invasive. I'm like, no, no, no. Like that's what people want. That's where they want feel like you actually care. So we're getting kind of on a tangent here. I know I am going off on a tangent, but I, I think that's so much of what you said is so important as to like how, cause I'm getting back to like, how can we do our part? Like, yeah. what is our part? Like, I feel like my part is helping you learn how to have a successful business so that you can stay in the industry and inspire other women to be in the industry. That's kind of my role in this whole, you know, mission. Um, and as an advisor, if I'm listening to this or an insurance professional listening to this white or of color, or, you know, even men maybe jumping on here, like if you can give any last words of like, what can someone do like to play their part so that it's not just, just about, making money, of course, or not just about growing the business, but for a greater good of really providing value to everyone and giving everyone those equal chances and choices and yeah. opportunities to create wealth. So one of our, one of the most popular aspects of our services is we call them financial advocate calls. Um, but it's literally just helping clients fill out paperwork, helping them open an IRA, helping them make their increase their 401k contribution, 
calling student loan servicers with them, right? Having them, you know, helping them like navigate all of these little admin things in finance that literally paralyze people. Like people literally have anxiety and phobia around paperwork and things like that. I bring this up because I think that is one of the biggest barriers to having, to being able to work with clients who are not in wealth management is we do that for our wealthy clients too. We filled out all their paperwork. We got on the phone with them. We like went through every lineup in their budget. I think that if you can figure out again, going back to like what the root of what your clients really need and it's, you know, what drives them and also what stops them, right? Like what stops your client from actually being able to move forward? They want all this stuff. They share all their core values with you. They share all their goals. They're super excited about it. And then something stops them along the way in the journey. And I think that if we as advisors really examine what that is, and we examine on an individual level, and we examine it collectively as an industry, why is paperwork so complicated? Why is it so annoying and stupid and difficult to get money out of your 401k when you leave a company? You have to get a paper check cut and fill out extra forms and go back to your old age. Like what? Like we need to start questioning that stuff, right? As we do it with clients, as we walk that process through with them, then we can start to question and say, hey, this isn't how it should be actually. And so many things have changed just because people say, hey, this isn't how it should be. And so when we actually see what stops clients as much as what drives them and start to question it in a collective way, I think that's really how we can make change. This is how, this is, say that one more time. I'm trying to remember, I was going to write it down, but you said it fast. This is not how it should be, right? This is not how it should be. This is not how it should be. So I like that because this is, it's kind of similar to, I talk about compliance and I I teach some kind of outside the box strategies and then people like, oh, but compliance. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I know compliance is a bitch. And so what? So we could just say, oh, whatever compliance is, I'm not going to do. And then, so I'm not going to push, like, I'm not going to push the envelope at all. And I'm just going to, no, like, there's nothing not compliant about this strategy. You can fight for it because you can fight to have a voice. And I think it's the same, even though it's just compliance or whatever, but it's like, there's certain ways that have done, have been done for, for, I don't know, maybe even hundreds of years. I don't know how long the industry has been around long time, some, <laughs> sometime between at least one year and at least somewhere before a thousand. Um, but where the industry has been around, like in doing things one way for a long time, it's like, so we used to not have you know, everything was paperwork. Nothing was actually paperless, right? Now everything's paperless. And it's like, so that had to change because someone said, this is not how it should be. So I love that. And it's like questioning it and fighting for it and having a voice and saying, no, whether it's just, I I think this is how it should be for clients, or I think this is how it should be for the industry and having more women, having more people of color and having more of a voice, whether it's stepping up in a meeting and saying like, yeah, that's actually not, not, that is not compliant. It's just that you want to be lazy. I mean, not saying that. Well, you've never seen it before. Like I have a very amazing compliance consultant who I run all the craziest shit by. I'm like, can I do group financial planning and do it on these platforms that don't exist in the industry? And he's like, well, there's nothing not compliant about that. And I'm like, done doing it. (laughs) That's the thing. Right. And most big companies are like, well, 
it's not as we've done it before. So we're just going to say no, because it's easier because God forbid someone sues us, you know? So, but the only way this stuff changes is by you. I'm talking to the audience now, not you, Pam, you're doing it, but by you stepping up and questioning things. And I think that comes like, that's how we have women's rights and, you know, and minority rights and gay rights and all these things. It starts with questioning something and thinking that's not how it should be. And using your voice, for having a purpose and having like not being just so scared about what everybody thinks and just being okay and say, no, I'm not going to sit at the back of the bus, Rosa Parks. Right. Like I'm, I'm not going to do that. So like being willing to have an opinion and have a voice and be okay that not everybody's going to like it, which is a whole different topic we could have talked about, but it's like, I like to end with that to empower you to actually have an opinion, have a voice and be okay with not everybody liking you about it because that's how we create change. This is not how it should be. So you must do something different. Okay. Tell them where to find you, Pam. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love this. You're so fun. Um, uh, You can find me at brunchandbudget.com on Instagram at brunch and budget and on Twitter at brunch and budget. Okay. Awesome. And if someone wants to work with you, basically they, it sounds like you're very, you know, open. It's not obviously no one needs a minimum around here. So it's, <laughs> they could just contact you and yeah, then you can go just that sign way. up right on the site. Okay. And also are you, I'm just curious because a lot of advisors and insurance professionals are listening. Are you growing your team? Like, are you looking yep. for other advisors? That's We're sort of hiring thing? right now. Oh my gosh. Saying. See, it's like you <laughs> could have planted that seed, but I'm just reading your mind. So yeah, if you're not happy at your broker dealer or at, you know, uh, wherever you are, or maybe you're just thinking about getting in the industry. I mean, I would hit up Pam as this is like such a great, um, just advocacy and such a great, um, just purpose and mission behind this. So I love it. Awesome. So go get in touch with Pam, brunchandbudget.com. Correct? All right. I said it right. This is good. This is good. All right. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you next time on Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. Are you getting all the quality prospects on your calendar that you'd like? If not, join us in the Appointment Generator Challenge. Go to femalefinancialadvisors.com and register for free. We guarantee you'll get five quality appointments in five days if you follow this system and you can do it from online. You don't even have to pick up the phone. Whether you're just starting, whether you've been in the industry three to five years or even 30 years, this challenge will be perfect for you. Check it out, femalefinancialadvisors.com and register for absolutely free. Can't wait to see you there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.